Yeah, so they know what's true and what's not true. Why don't they just put it on the feet already? Yeah. A question, a few questions to think about as we're starting. How confident are you in the Lord? How sure of His love for you are you? How much confidence do you have in His leading and guiding in your own life? Do you worry that He's not really sure what He's doing? Do you worry that everything's going wrong? Or maybe that everything's about to go wrong? Are you sure that you're going to heaven? God wants us to have confidence in this life. He doesn't want us to walk around cocky, proud, with our chest puffed out, really confident in ourselves. He doesn't want us to be confident in ourselves, in our abilities, in our own looks, uh, in our smarts. He does want us to have confidence in Him. And He gives us good reason to be confident in Him. One way He gives us confidence in Him is by giving us good leaders. One way He gives us confidence is by giving us good leaders. Everyone wants to be on a team with a good coach. Isn't that true, Jim? Everyone wants to be in a class with a good teacher. Uh, the kids who get the good coach, who get the good teacher, can have confidence that they're going to have a good year on the field or in the classroom. Good leaders help us to have confidence. It's a much better way to go through life when you wake up in the morning and you're confident that you're going to be led well. Imagine having to get up and go to practice. Maybe you have a morning practice or you practice after school uh, and your coach really didn't know what he was doing. Uh, it's not very motivating. It's after a while. You might be able to do it for a week or two. If you just have no confidence in your leader and your coach, you're not going to want to go to practice too much longer. How about you? Think about your own life. How confident are you each morning when you get up that things are going to go well today? How sure are you that you're headed in the right direction, not only today, but this month, this year? You know, you're 16. How confident are you that your 16th year is going to be moving in the right direction? That's a good question. <laughs> are you following good leaders who are leading you in the right direction? Tonight, we're going to be looking at the book of Joshua. Joshua is God's chosen leader for Israel. And he does lead Israel in the right direction. So we're going to be looking at a good example tonight. We're going to see that uh, Jesus, though, is the better Joshua. Joshua is a good leader. But Jesus is a better leader. He is the better Joshua. And we should put all our confidence in Jesus, in the better Joshua. So a question for us uh, that I want feedback answers from. What is it that makes a good leader? What are some qualities that you'd like to see in a leader, in someone that you would be willing to follow? What makes a good leader? An attitude of service with an, the people that they're leading. An attitude of service. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not scared. Not being scared. You don't want to follow a coward. Yeah. Sounds weird, but following some type of rules. Like, you know, like, 
Because you gotta, mm -hmm. like, if you're a softball coach, you gotta follow the rules of the play. Mm -hmm. You know? Principle? Principle. There principle. Principle. Yeah. yeah, you wanna follow someone who has some set of rules, mm -hmm. morals, morals a principles. way to guide them, but something they're following. Yeah. Anything else? <coughs> I think he's hard discipline, you know, when you make a mistake. Not only is he, you know, he's, he's slow to judge, he's very, he takes into consideration all aspects of a mistake. Um, but he's also, you know, when he's disciplining you, he's correcting you. His mm. ultimate goal is to make you better. So you don't, you don't want a leader who's just harsh and every little mistake you make they're cracking down you yeah. don't you also don't want a leader who just ah, yeah, we know whatever get, get it's by. no big deal yeah. but he's, yeah. he's right in the middle between you know he's very strict but you know you deserve it you who cares enough to discipline and love so he hits my rules and principles and he goes over to discipline <laughs> there you go anything else you can think of What are some biblical qualifications for leaders? Mm. Love is a good one. What's that? Love is a good one. Love? For either the people who they're serving or, well, especially to God, um, but to God and to the people that they're serving. Mm -hmm. Above reproach? Yeah. Leaders should be loving. They should be above reproach. Especially if they're in a position of leadership in the church. Yeah, that's an explicit one. Yeah, we could, we could keep going and we could list a bunch of qualities. But we all have an idea of what a good leader is in our head. I think thinking through some of these things are good. I think I would encourage you to keep thinking about what is it that makes a good leader? Who do I want to follow? Um, what human should I be hitching myself to? You'll all have to make those decisions. You'll have to work for someone one day. What kind of boss do you want to follow? Uh, we're willing you'll join a church one day. And part of that is saying, do they have good biblical leaders who are meeting qualifications? Do I want to follow these people? Uh, we have just spent weeks and weeks and weeks. We haven't met for a couple weeks and uh, continued our series. But looking at one specific leader in the Bible, Moses. Moses led the people of Israel through the wilderness uh, for 40 years. But now he's dead. He, he dies at the end of Deuteronomy. We finished the first five books. Moses is dead. And the big question is, who's going to take over for this great man? Moses was a great leader. A uh, man used mightily by God. Who's going to take his place? Uh, what has Moses done? Moses rescued God's people from slavery. God, through Moses, did. How did that happen? Just as a brief review, some of Moses' life. How does God, through Moses, rescue God's people from slavery? Shout out any tidbits, any facts. The plagues. The plagues, okay. So God sends the plagues through Moses. Moses was saved as a baby. Yes. God saved his life, which allowed him. God saves Moses' life providentially, raises him up in Pharaoh's court, uh, sends the plagues. The, the scepter with the spider, the snakes, 
Okay. Oh, Much true. later in the story, later in the story, yeah, before they're even rescued out of Egypt, okay. uh, they're rescued from the snakes through lifting up the, the, the spider. <laughs> the snake. Snakes and spiders. Yeah, the Red Sea parts. You have the Passover, mm-hmm. where the uh, the lamb sacrificed, the blood spread on the door. They Pharaoh finally says, "Go, get out of here." The Red Sea parts are able to escape safely through it. Then God gives the law through Moses. So Moses leads them out of Egypt. God delivers the law. Where does that happen? Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai. In the book of Exodus. Exodus. And what? Uh huh. And, and what's one way we know the law? What's how do we know? Uh, how do we? What do we call that? What was given to Moses on? Yeah, that's the Hebrew word for law. Ten commandments. Yeah, the Ten Commandments. Torah is the yeah. books in the Bible. He gives the Ten Commandments and, and more. Uh, but so God gives the law through Moses. He shows them how to worship God. And what does that look like? What, what are you signing? Oh, sacrifice? Yeah. Oh. Sacrifice. Oh, okay. <laughs> he sets up the sacrificial system uh, in the tabernacle, what will become the temple. The priesthood. Yeah, the priesthood, the sacrifices, the temple. So God's through Moses, do it, basically setting up the whole nation of Israel. Uh, and then he leads them through the wilderness for 40 years helping guide them, not only physically guiding them, but morally and saving them providentially when God calls them to lift up that snake, um, providing water through the rock. Uh, God's made a bunch. He's, he's done miraculous things. Yes, Janet. Uh, quick question. Yeah. Okay. So, brief answer. The sacrifices, uh-huh. were they like an actual act to save, or were they just a symbol and salvation was by faith in that sacrifice? Good question. Hard answer. A good question. <laughs> but anyone t- or do we shot? have time to answer uh, this? I- I'm a little hairy on it, so you can answer it. Yeah. As best as you can. Uh, the, the book of Hebrews helps us answer that and says that the blood of bulls and goats does not take away sins. Blood of bulls and goats ceremonially cleanses the people so that they can approach and worship rightly. Uh, it's not even faith. So different people, you can be a Christian and disagree with the, with the rest of what I'm about to say. Uh, it's not faith in the sacrifices that saves. It's faith in what they point to that saves. So, which is Jesus. A faithful Israel, a believing Israelite would have looked at the, an animal sacrifice, would have offered an animal sacrifice and say, I'm not, maybe I'm not 100% sure of what this is supposed to look like, but I know this is pointing to, to God's Messiah who will come and who will deal with sin. I know that God is dealing with sin in a way that's greater than this. So it would be faith in uh, what God would do that would save okay. Which is the same idea with the scepter. When, when the snakes, if they would have bitten them, they looked up at the scepter, it's like God yeah. said we, we did that. <clears throat> And yeah. I, David didn't even, I don't think he sacrificed when he was with Bathsheba. I think he he repented yeah. and went to the temple. So, yeah. Did you just read a psalm about that? Psalm 50? Yes. 
Yeah, a, a broken heart, a contrite spirit is the actual sacrifice that God wants. Yeah. Um, not just empty sacrifices with no contrite spirit. Yeah, Paul talks about... Oh yeah, this is something that Paul repeats in two of his letters. Uh, he talks about how Abraham was saved by faith and not by the law. Technically, the law hadn't been like invented yet. Yeah. Uh, like the Ten Commandments didn't happen at the time of Abraham, and yet he was still saved because um, his faith was credited to him as righteousness. That's a really important phrase to remember. Mm-hmm. His faith was credited to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. It's how everyone who has ever been saved has been saved. Mm-hmm. Is their faith being credited as righteousness? Mm-hmm. It's like a gift. Yes, it's a gift that's given. Um, and it always has been through Christ. Even before Christ came, lived as a man, died on the cross, it was faith in that that has always justified or saved people. That's a great question. Uh, back to Joshua, the book of Joshua, that the is. What's that? I said the son of Nun. Joshua, the son of Nun. Nun. Uh, it might be Nun, but N-U-N, not N-O-N. Uh, the people of Israel, having been instructed to do all of this, can't do it really yet because they're not in the promised land. Uh, they're on the edge of the promised land. That's where we're left off in Deuteronomy. They're standing there. They're about to receive this big promise that God has made. They're going to get the land of Canaan. Who's going to lead them to fulfill this promise? In one sense, the answer is God. God will be with them. He will be leading them. He himself will do it. But the way God chooses to lead is through a leader, through a man. He did it through Moses. Moses, back in Deuteronomy, knows he's going to die. And so Moses promises another leader, another prophet. We read this last time in Deuteronomy 18. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Who's this leader, this prophet, going to be? Uh, we answered that last time. I was saying, ultimately, it's Christ. Ultimately, Christ is the fulfillment of this prophecy. He is the prophet. There will be others on the way to him uh, that also are smaller fulfillments of this. Maybe sign posts, like little mini examples. Examples. Yeah. The person who's going to follow Moses immediately and lead them into the promised land is his assistant. Moses' assistant, Joshua. Joshua will be raised up, and God will fulfill his promises through his leadership. So open your Bibles, and we're going to read the very beginning of the book of Joshua. <coughs> Question I'm going to ask. It's right after Deuteronomy, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to ask a question right after. The question is going to be, what's a phrase you see repeated in this passage? 
So keep your eyes peeled. <clears throat> Joshua 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all his people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their, to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. It's a phrase you saw repeated in that passage. Strong and courageous. Good job, then. Uh, from this passage, does God give any reason why Joshua ought to be strong and courageous? Do you see anything in this passage? Jay? God is with him. Where do you see that? Yep, and f- five and six. Yeah. Yeah, so God's promise to be with him. I will be with you, therefore be strong and courageous. Anything else? And in seven? Um, uh, he talks about the book of the law. Okay. Um, and how it seems to relate is that, like, if you do according to the commandments of God, then, like, you will prosper. Like, God will make your path straight, I guess. There seems to be a, a promise for the people. Yes. And you're, are you asking why, like, what makes that, like, why, how do they get the promise? Like, what's their, how do you... Well, there's a conditionality to it. Yeah. There's a condition. What's like, the condition? If you do this, if you yes. follow the law, then you ought to be strong and courageous because then I will fulfill my end. Exactly, exactly, yeah. That's very observant. That's very good. Um, So there's a commandment to be faithful to what God's revealed and there's a promise to be with Joshua. Uh, One other thing I want us to notice that um, I think Scott brought up earlier maybe in in Moses' life and his sovereignly saving him 
is that God's been sovereignly working in Joshua's life to put him in this position. Sometimes God will call people out of the blue um, with no preparation and use them to bless his people. So Abraham would be an example of that, right? Abraham's a pagan living in a foreign land, and God picks him. He doesn't deserve it. He's not done anything we know of to, to be a man suitable for this. God picks him out of the blue. God can do that. He can use anyone at any time he pleases. And oftentimes he does do that. He chooses weak, sometimes foolish people to use in a mighty way to show that this must be God. Because it can't be this person. So sometimes God does that. But oftentimes, especially when it comes to leadership, God spends a lifetime shaping people in order to bless others through them. And that's what God's done here with Joshua. For 40 years, Joshua's been helping Moses. He's been humbly serving alongside God's chosen leader, Moses, seeing all the good, all the bad that Moses has done, learning, and seeing firsthand all of God's wonderful, miraculous works to bring the people to the edge of the promised land. So God's sovereignly worked in Joshua's life to prepare him as a leader. So, for you guys, don't assume that you'll be able to lead one day without any preparation. So, if you want to be a leader one day, and I hope you all do in some capacity, whether as a parent, whether you're a teacher, maybe a boss at work, or even just a good friend who's leading your friends in the right direction, if you want to be a good leader one day, it'll take preparation. One ways you can prepare... One of the ways you can prepare now is, like Joshua, being a helpful follower to good leaders. Being a helpful follower and assistant to good leaders is one way to prepare for that. So look at people who are leading you in your life right now. Ask them questions about why and how they're leading. And ask them how you can be helpful to them. Joshua was helpful for decades before he was a leader. So one way, this is kind of just an aside, a bonus tidbit. One way we can prepare for leadership now is by being helpful to our faithful leaders now. So God's been shaping Joshua his whole life in order to fulfill God's own purposes for God's own people through Joshua's leadership. And there are four things I want us to notice about how God does this and what God does through Joshua. This is kind of a big summary of the whole book. So we saw in verses 6 and 7, look down at verses 6 and 7, that God promises to be with him and he commands him to be faithful. So the first thing I want us to notice about the book of Joshua is that God promises to be with Joshua and commands Joshua to be faithful. He says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it. To the right or to the left. God promises to be with him, commands him to be faithful. The second thing to notice in Joshua's life is that Joshua is faithful. He leads the people of Israel around Canaan. How is Joshua faithful? He leads them around the promised land, Canaan, city by city, driving out the wicked people, the people who are practicing demonic things. These are wicked, demonic people practicing things that are contrary to God's law. 
things that are unspeakable to even talk about. It's a long conquest. It's a bloody conquest. There are a lot of challenges. Sometimes the people of Israel are even disobedient. But over time, I want you to notice the third thing. So first, God promises to be with Joshua. commands him to be faithful. Second, see that Joshua is faithful. He goes around the promised land, conquering these cities. The third thing, God's, as a result, God's unchanging promises are fulfilled through Joshua. God's unchanging promises are fulfilled through Joshua. So go to the end of Joshua, Joshua uh, 21. Not quite the end, but the end of, towards the end, the end of chapter 21. <coughs> after all this, after God spends chapters uh, allotting the land specifically to specific tribes, it says this. Thus the Lord, in verse 43 of chapter 21, Thus the Lord God gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them. For the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. All God's promises came to pass. We could look, jump back to Deuteronomy 7 and show how God promises to do this very thing, to drive out the people, to give them this land. But for the sake of time, we'll jump over that. But through God's chosen leader, God is the one who's shown himself to be faithful and unchanging. God doesn't change. When he makes a promise, he keeps it. Sometimes he does it through chosen leaders, through people. But God always fulfills his promises. That's the third thing to notice. The fourth thing to notice about Joshua's life. Fourth, Joshua dies. And before he does, he warns Israel. He commands them to keep God's law. He repeats what God told him <coughs> to be faithful, to keep the law. He tells the same thing. But then he says this in chapter 24, in 2419 and following. But Joshua said to the people, You are not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. They said, we are witnesses. The people willingly enter this covenant, this covenant that Joshua knows that they can't keep. Joshua warns them. He says, you will not be able to keep this. God, through Joshua, gives the people the land. He fulfills his promises. But Joshua is not able to give people hearts that love and serve and obey the Lord. Joshua leaves the people in their sin. And the rest of the history of Israel shows that. They quickly fall away from the Lord. They do what's right in their own eyes. They should not have had this much confidence. They should have cried out, what should we do then? Joshua says, you are not able. They should have said, so what should we do? Instead they say, no, we can do it. Oh, we got this. We got this. Just like Israel, 
We need to look beyond Joshua if we're going to have confidence in this life. <coughs> if we're going to have confidence in the Lord. You're going to have so many good things. You're going to have a family, a good school, a nice house. But if you're left in your sins, you'll have a troubled conscience and no comfort. Neither should you have comfort. That's why we need a leader, a savior who's better than Joshua. We need someone who will deliver us from our sins. We need someone better than Joshua. We actually need a different Joshua. We need Jesus. It's the same name. Uh, Joshua. Yeshua in Hebrew or Aramaic. Uh, In Greek, Jesus. It's the same. That's how the Greeks would have transliterated it. And we get Jesus. But it's the same name. Jesus, Joshua. But the similarities between the two don't stop there. It's not just that their name's the same. What are, what are the four things we said that Joshua does? Do you guys remember? That God, Joshua does or God does through Joshua? If you were taking notes, what did you write down for four? Uh, one, God promises to be with Joshua and commands him to be faithful. Mm-hmm. Two, Joshua is faithful to God. Three, as a result, God's unchanging promises are fulfilled through Joshua. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God doesn't change. Uh, number four, <coughs> Joshua dies and tells Israel to keep the law, but warns them that they cannot do it. Exactly. I only was able to get two of those because I don't write fast enough. So. <laughs> and I was running through it quickly, so that's fair. Cal, do a better job if you're using numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Slow it down. How is Jesus a better Joshua? One, like Joshua, God promises to be with Jesus and commands him to be faithful. So in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. So, God's Son, Jesus, is with God. God is always with Him. It doesn't stop during the Incarnation. In Psalm 16, the Messiah says, Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Jesus, His confidence in the Father's presence makes him faithful. Jesus' own divinity, too, makes him faithful to all that God's called him to do in sending his son to the earth to live a perfect, sinless life. Jesus is a faithful leader who God promises to be with. Jesus is even more faithful than Joshua. He never sinned. Joshua sinned and died. Jesus was without sin. He never wavered for a moment. Two, Jesus goes from city to city, throughout the promised land, casting out demons and preaching righteousness. What Joshua was doing with a sword and an army, Jesus does with the Spirit and with his disciples. Jesus goes around city to city in the promised land of Canaan, casting out demons, conquering these cities in righteousness' name. Three, God's unchanging promises are fulfilled filled through Jesus. God promised that a Messiah would come and suffer and die for his people. And Jesus does just that. And these promises, Hebrews 8, 6 says, are better promises. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. It's Hebrews 8, 6. 
throughout the Old Testament, God kept promising that he would forgive people's sins and give them new hearts. He would forgive people's sins, he would give them new hearts. He would forgive people's sins, he would give them new hearts. And Jesus, God, lays the sin of his people on Christ on the cross. He pays for it in full. Jesus dies is buried and is raised three days later. So anyone who repents and trusts in him, Jesus then pours out his spirit, raises them to new life, giving them new hearts, with new desires that love God's law, that keep God's law. Forgiveness of sins and a new heart with law written on it, new desires. Those two promises from the Old Testament are better promises than just having a land that one day you're going to give to your kids because you're going to die. These are eternal promises. They're better. And they're fulfilled in Jesus. Number four, Joshua left his people in their sins. Jesus doesn't. He delivers his people from them. Those in Jesus can love and fulfill God's law. So anyone in Christ can hear God's law and rather than boast in themselves and say, yeah, we'll do it, say, we didn't do it. We couldn't do it. Christ has done it. And now by his spirit, I will gladly keep the law. And they're able to, fulfilled in Christ. We can be faithful when we turn from our sin and trust in Christ. So trust in Christ. He alone can give us confidence. We're reading that the Bible is one story about God's glory by redeeming a people in Christ. When we read about Joshua, we're being taught about what a godly leader looks like. We're being taught to look for someone who will fulfill promises for us. We're being taught to look outside ourselves, to look to God who is faithful. When we read Joshua, we're being taught to look to Christ. When we look to Christ, and only when we look to Christ, just like the whole Bible teaches us to do, we can have confidence. God fulfills every spiritual promise through Him. Ephesians says that Christians are blessed in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Not some spiritual blessings, hopefully. Not now, with material blessings. Christians are blessed in Christ, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Do you guys find yourself wanting earthly or heavenly blessings? Spiritual blessings or earthly material things? If you find yourself wanting earthly blessings, some of which we really need, we do need physical things. Jesus instructs us to pray for daily bread. But if those are your priority, you're in for a life with no confidence. All those earthly blessings we mentioned can and will leave us. Any material thing you can think of, any living, breathing person on earth right now can and one day will, through death, leave us. Hope for spiritual things and hope in God's chosen leader, in Jesus, in whom we're promised those spiritual things that won't fade but will grow stronger and stronger until we die. And then we will have them in full, in perfection for all eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for instructing us through your whole Bible, for preparing for thousands of years through pictures, through people 
through an actual plan to bring about Christ, who is the better Joshua, who fulfills all of your promises, who is able and willing to save those who cannot keep the law on our own. I pray that we would look to Christ, find confidence in Him and Him alone. It's in His name we pray. Amen. Well,